energetic. Like, did it, was he not like a ball of energy? Like, and so, sometimes he'd run into trouble and burrow his way back out. And he, he used to use his arse, but now he's just standing there. Like, I, I miss his arse. I miss, I miss Nyland and I miss John McGinn's arse. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a love. So I left while you were sleeping. Well, let's get real here. There's only one place to start this blood issue, and that's with the goalkeeper. I mean, we're not going to win a game with Robin Olsen, and that's like that's that's proven already over his Aston Villa career. We're not going to win a game. We've lost every game, and not only that, we shipped eleven goals in three games. Um, we lost four-two tonight against Manchester United. We lost 4-0 against Newcastle United. We lost 3-2 against Manchester City. And every single one of those times, he has looked like a car crash. I think we sort of funnily raised a question after the Man City match at the end of last season, saying, was he good? I mean, I, I didn't feel good the whole way through it, but he made a couple of saves. But like the reality was, he was a bag of nerves and it made me feel like a bag of nerves. And I haven't recovered since that. And it feels like, it feels like we just have someone, I think it was uh, two of the defenders, or maybe Dougie and Konza. You, you painted the picture after the United game of ushering somebody through, like just, just waving them through, like, you know, polite waiters at a restaurant or bringing somebody to your seat at a theatre. It's almost like, do you remember the Father Ted skit where the goalkeeper walks walks away from the line to give the open net because he's he's he, he wants the other team to score? It's what it's like. Robin Olsen's like he's leaving the net vacant. It reminds me of a boy in school who is crap in net, but you just put him in nets anyway because nobody else wants to do do goals. And every time the other team attacks, it's usually a goal. And I think we thought we were we were onto something here because we were buying a sub keeper. And he was coming from Roma. And I was like, well, this is good. Like, if this is the standard of our subs. And then I looked at it. Hang on, let me see what this boy's really been up to. Yeah, he was at Roma. And they, they loaned him out to Cagliari. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe he did well at Cagliari. Do you want to see all series in the Wikipedia paragraph of his time at Cagliari? Olsen was sent off in an away game against US Lecce for pushing Lapidula who in turn pushed Olsen for kicking the ball away. Both players were sent off and received a fine. <laughs> and then they loaned him out to Everton. And then they loaned him out to Sheffield United. And then they loaned him out to Aston Villa. That, that's his Roma career, really. And the reality is, this boy has gone through an entire journeyman career for a goalkeeper. He's 32 years of age. And three times in his life has he played more than 20 games. 20 league games for a club that's not just in one season that's for that club three <laughs> times in his life and yeah I think it's clear that, that he's just not up to the standard and the saddest thing is I suppose that we have to reckon with is that he was probably only at fault for one goal <laughs> <laughs> he's, play, he's played two and a half games for us and he's had what the fuck moments in all of them and he's <laughs> He's played two and a half games. The award is two and a half season old, and he has the most nominations already. Yeah. He, like he's he's the fucking Meryl Streep of cockups. I mean, she's been acting for five decades. He's been acting a cunt for two and a half games, but he's already matching her in fucking nominations. <laughs> I, I was wondering. I was wondering had we received some sort of dodgy legal advice, and we're we're afraid we're going to get done under employment law for discriminating based on age if we got rid of him. Like, you know, I think that only applies if he's able to do the job for a start. And I also I also don't think age has ever been an impediment for him. But then I looked him up, and like he said, he's only 32. Like, <laughs> I, I honestly, I honestly assumed this lad was pushing 40. He's, he's, he, I thought he looked like fucking Benjamin Button, the body of a seven-year-old and the mind of a seven-month-old. Like, I, I cannot believe he was listed on the team sheet today and I've chosen my words carefully there because there's no way I could have said played. It was an absolute shambles. It's a, a ridiculous decision from Una Emery. And, and when I saw that starting lineup, my immediate thought was, for fuck's sake, I thought he said he wanted to win a cup here. Yeah. And initially I saw United's line, lineup 
Dubravka, Lindelof, Maguire, Fred, McTominay, Donny Van de Beek, Martial. Like, how have you never spent 1.3 billion quid and that's their spine? Like, <laughs> I, know, I know they've made changes to that, but fuck me. What a fillip that was. What it must have been for Emery as well. I mean, like, he fucking... When I saw Robin Olsen, I thought, geez, Emery has set fucking fire to our hopes of progressing here. But luckily, Ten Hag has now thrown him a fucking bucket of water. Unfortunately, Robert fucking Olsen tried to catch that bucket of water for him. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong, you know, we're a lot better tonight. They squeezed the play really well. There was... There always seemed to be more United players on the screen. Maybe maybe someone who was at the match might tell us there was more outs than Sky picked up on. We certainly weren't going to get any fucking insights from Peter Michael's son's father or Dion Dublin. But but it, it looked like it looked like United were doing well anyway. But there's no way that I can be convinced that our players couldn't have found better solutions. Like the passing lines were never right. The options were always wrong. There's the few times we were aggressive. We were rattling into someone's feet with a player up the fucking arse. And whenever our players had a bit of farting space, they didn't play it to them then. Yeah. Now our pressing was really, really poor as well. Like, I don't know I don't know if I said this, but you know this midfield was Donny van der Beek in a fucking meme. <laughs> Get on top of him. The changes, yeah, they were frustrating. I can, I can see sometimes why... He, Obviously, a manager wants to get when he's new as well. Wants to get some game time or get get a look at some of the boys, and he did try to litter it with a bit of a spine. But does he does he really need to give Olsen game time? Because here's the thing: like, yeah, I know sometimes, like, say, you know, he's, he's trying out a few different defenders there, and somebody might go down injured during the season. And you need to call on these players, so it's good that they're they're getting a bit of game time. If Emmy Martinez goes down injured, we need to play Emmy Martinez. <laughs> we've seen this he got concussion against Newcastle we already talked about this we agree we'd rather play Emmy Martinez if Emmy Martinez goes uninjured Robin Olsen is an answer I don't care how many minutes you've given him in any of the cup competitions because let's be real it's always only going to be 90 minutes and then we're out <laughs> that's it that's the reality it just doesn't inspire confidence it spreads nerves and yeah it's it's just it's it's not a realistic it's not a realistic option, I don't think, from here forward. We we can't have a goalkeeper that you asked unironically the last time we had a podcast. The question, the last time he was involved, you asked the question, would you rather have a concussed Emmy Martinez or Robin Olsen? I mean, that is not a position we yeah. should be at as, as a club. That's ridiculous. Um, you've actually mentioned the two and a half games, so that makes me remember that he's probably only conceded ten goals in those two and a half games. I remember Emmy Martinez did concede one against Newcastle before he came off with a concussion. So I'll I'll, I'll give Robin Olsen his due. He'll take away one of the goals, and I'll also take away forty five minutes after <laughs> ten goals in two and a half games. But let's get into the goals tonight. They were all in the second half after not much happened. By way of football in the first half, a lot of what the fucks, <laughs> a lot of what the fucks, which we'll come back to. But first goal came just straight after the break, and it's good. Like Kamara wins it. It's a great bit of pressure from him, from Konza, from Ramsey. It's, I think that's that's got potential to be a good axis down that right hand side. And uh, Kamara gives it straight to Jacob Ramsey, who's already moving as soon as the ball's turned over, and he just bangs it. He bangs it to Ollie Watkins. That's that's the best way I can describe that pass. Ollie Watkins' first touch is great. His second touch is perfect. His third touch is a delicate left-footed lift over the keeper. Will he ever take three better touches in succession? Uh, <laughs> I doubt it very fucking much. Uh, like, yeah, the, the pass is perfect and the finish is so unexpected from Holly Watkins. <laughs> but the, this goal is what we, what we should have been at all game. It, it was great to see your player swarming around. Fred gets the ball. You go and take it off him. But particularly if his outballs tonight were McTominay, Lindelof, and Maguire. I mean, like a fucking hint of pressure, and he folded faster than a fucking A4 page in a Japanese primary school. And then bang, Jacob Ramsey's got, gone, and Fred thinks he's playing your big game of virtual gotcha and stands with his fucking hand in the air instead of running with his head down. But like you said, it's already too late when you can see that number 41, and that was it done. Yeah, when you see Jacob Ramsey's back, it's already too late. And that's why people like you slip up then and call him Jacob Ramsey's God. Um, <laughs> a very convenient slip of the tongue there. A psychologist of a field day with that one. Uh, and then back to the good old days. Remember 
when we could never enjoy ourselves for any extended period of time. And we got 19 seconds tonight at Old Trafford of uh, joy of being in front. 19 seconds. And will there ever be a more simple goal scored? I mean, we're, we're slagging Robin Olsen straight out the gate here. <laughs> and Robin Olsen's probably directly at fault, definitely, for one goal. We can argue about all the ones. But it was it was in spite of everything else he did. He tried to concede more goals. But then, Jesus, like Callum Chambers, like this was the easiest goal the Villa will ever give to another team. It was a ball over the top. It was just a chip over the top from what we've said in the last two podcasts is supposed to be the most difficult way to score because everybody's back, everybody's behind the ball. And 19 seconds, and the ball's just lifted into that space behind Aston Villa. Robin Olsen isn't coming off his line. Callum Chambers ain't catching anybody. Outpaced by Bruno Fernandes, and it's a goal. I, I don't think I've ever been more frustrated with a goal. I mean, th- this was all Man United were at as well. I mean, this is what they wanted. It's hard to argue with it. They, they scored four goals, but yeah. it was so fucking obvious that Peter Schmeichelson's father and Dion Dublin <laughs> both picked up on it at halftime. It was all they could talk about. <laughs> Do you, do you remember we were playing five aside, and the first the first three or four minutes, you and Alan had missed three or four big chances from brilliant passes. Probably for me, I can't really remember. What? And some fucking numpty, some numpty in their team shouted out, "All they have is through balls." <laughs> yeah, and all you have is four fucking morons who haven't a clue how to defend. Like, I'm sorry, am I not supposed to pass the ball past you four muppets as Connor is just running past you? Look there, he goes again. And similarly, it would have been fucking stupid for Man United to not keep tossing the ball over the top against our four morons who haven't a fucking clue how to defend. And that goal was coming all night, and it just... It was utterly pathetic how that goal came about. One tossed ball over the top to Bruno Fernandes as well. For it to come from that source is particularly galling. If it was Martial or Rashford, you may be like, oh, look, who can catch him? Who can catch Bruno Fernandes? Anybody who can fucking run... <laughs> yeah um we're going to come back to Callum Chambers because it's starting to remind me of somebody trying to run with two canoes instead of football boots on his on his feet like it's it's madness how difficult they seem to be finding it like over tr- trying to catch anybody with a bit of pace and also trying to catch somebody like Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> um Villa went back in front nice bit of possession when the year turns and the ball gets it out to Young and then Young just drives because he knows he knows he's got a man over he knows when the uh Probably should have looked up himself. He played that automatic pass. And fair enough. He's right in the middle. Back is turned. Might have thought he was under a bit more pressure considering how United had been approaching the game. But he gave it straight to the right back. And Young was like, no, no, we're fucking not messing around here. Let's go. <laughs> and Ollie Watkins doesn't go. <laughs> Ollie Watkins doesn't go. I see Young fucking drives. He's like, Ollie, Ollie, go, go. Ollie doesn't go. The one time Ollie Watkins doesn't go. And Young's running out of road. He's very quickly running out of road because he thought, we've got men over here. Let's fucking use it. Ollie Watkins doesn't want to use it. So Young's very rapidly approaching a tackle just outside the box. And it's such a nice ball. Like, oh, only thing he could have done there was like, I'll, I'll hang this up. I'll whip it. I'll bend it away from the keeper. And Bailey is going to get to this the way, the trajectory, the direction I'm putting this in. And Bailey heads it across. Uh, Nick got in touch to say he's not clear that counts as his customary goal. <laughs> he did do well, though, in fairness, looking at it. The ball is really good, and it it needed to be something special because he had Ollie Watkins offering him fuck all, and Bailey does really well to get it back in, and luckily Dallow knocks it in because Bailey had Ollie Watkins offering him fuck all. <laughs> it's incredible. Like, the ball is so good from Young that he hangs it up there. It's up there for about what seems like two or three seconds. Everybody in the stadium can see what's coming, except for apparently Ollie Watkins. Well, he can see what's happening because that's all he's doing. He's just standing there fucking watching all this develop instead of getting into the six-yard box incredible stuff yeah he takes three nice touches he gets a nice finish and he stopped doing everything <laughs> everything that makes him so good uh, and then the equalizer it's a high ball it's not even a ball over the top this time and they're they're definitely targeting Callum Chambers like they, when Callum Chambers was on the left everything started going down that right just knocking over the top there there'll be space he won't catch you Chambers moved to the right when Mings came on and everything. Rashford went over to that side. Everything went over to that side. And Chambers is freaked out now at this stage because he's just looking so cumbersome. People are running off him. He's playing them offside and they're still getting by him. He's playing them onside and they're still getting by him. 
this time he stepped right back so we can watch Rashford go up uncontested and flick it on. Our centre-back is letting Rashford get up and flick it on. Uh, Young sort of mistimed his tackle. Meanwhile, Callum Chambers, who's given himself the extra yards, let Rashford go up for the header. He's now <laughs> beaten back into the box by Rashford and everybody else. Mings seems a bit unfortunate because like, if Callum Chambers gets back into the box at any reasonable bit of pace... I think Mings wouldn't have to react the way he did and lose his footing the way he did. Like Chambers is just meandered by everyone by the time he eventually gets in. Mings sort of thinks about trying to do a John Terry on it, going with it with his head, and then just continues falling over anyway. Chambers eventually decides to try and help out, but now Rashford just sort of does that thing where he stops and bumps back in them with his arse just to give himself that inch, and he, he rifles it in past, past the hologram and that's... <laughs> yeah like you're right you can't decide not to go up for a header and then get beaten back into the box by a 38 year old former winger who's now playing right back because he can't run as fast anymore (laughs) like that's that's absolutely humiliating for chambers and humiliating for aston villa that that's one of our center halves tonight young gets done by ericsson far too easily dangling out a leg like an absolute full chump i don't know what he's playing at and how much regard must Tyrone Mings have for Marcus Rashford that he decides in the middle of a fucking game to go kiss his feet? <laughs> like, what are you playing at? He's playing against you now, Tyrone. Like, this isn't the fucking moment. It's never the moment, really. Get on with a fucking game of football you're supposed to be playing in. And I actually think Rashford does well to hold off Chambers and get the moves his feet really quickly. But maybe that was just in fucking comparison to Chambers, who just seemed completely lost whenever he put in the initial arse. Yeah, yeah, a nice bit of composure from Rashford, who's been criticised for not having composure uh, this season. The third goal, United got in front then. Fans loved it. The fans, after 170 minutes of football, eventually, through a goalkeeper mistake, eventually got in front. Man United got their noses in front, and the United fans had the audacity to start chanting, who are you, who are you? It took, it took 170 minutes to get to that stage, but it's it's... I mean... I said the what the fuck award is going to be stacked. Where do you like, where do you want to start with this? Because the decision from Olsen to play at the Kamara is a what the fuck moment in its own. Does he not see? Like, does he not see that Kamara is under so much pressure? He, like, he's got a man right up his arse. He's got a man to his left as well. The only thing he could do to, to like stop a goal if if the ball comes to him in that situation is to fucking lump it clear. Why does he not make that decision himself to, to either lump it clear or just to not give it to somebody at the edge of the box who is under a lot of pressure? Um, and then he doesn't even make it to Kamara. He can't make the 10-yard pass. Like That's <laughs> probably a bigger what the fuck in fairness. And yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm starting to think, can these boys not think for themselves? Obviously, they're told to keep a bit of possession. Can the goalkeeper just not deduct that this isn't? this isn't a good idea to, to play him the ball in that position. I mean, the commentator, the co-commentator, fucking idiot, really. I had the gall to say, well, this is the new Aston Villa, as if, uh, you know, to hold that against him. They're not told to do that. The new Aston Villa aren't told to miss a 10-yard pass from the goalkeeper to the to, to the defensive midfielder, for starters, but to also play that pass. Like, these boys need to start having a bit of cop on and start making decisions for themselves out there. Yeah, I mean, this would have been dreadful if it wasn't the fifth what-the-fuck moment of his night. I mean, it's, I don't have the vocabulary to try to come up with a word for what it is now. I mean, why is he playing the pass to Kamara? One up his hole, one in front of him, one to his left. You said the only thing Kamara can do in that situation is lump it clear anyway, so why isn't Olsen doing it? The difference is all Kamara do is lump it out for a fucking corner. Yeah, that's that's all he can do in that situation. And the commentator, this is what happens if you play, if you try to play out from the back. It's not. It's what happens if you try to play out from the back with Robin Olsen as your <laughs> fucking goalkeeper. That's the issue here, and, I, and that is a big question for Emery. Did Emery think that he was up to this tonight? Yeah. Did Did Emery think I, I can just go in there now and play the same system with this fucking goalkeeper with this fucking centre half? I mean, that's that's catastrophic decision making from memory yeah and then the fourth goal for Manchester United just to firm it up and rub salt in the wounds uh, it's Garnacho. it's a lovely ball in fairness an in swinger t- towards the keeper which is always going to help you 
Um, the keeper's <laughs> never coming off his line anymore, I don't think, ever for the rest of his career. And uh, McTominay's made a good run. He's made it the whole way. He's straight out. He's got his foot on it. I think the optics here are worse than maybe the reality of it. Like, Olsen dives after the ball's in the net. <laughs> it's it, it, it looks like he's giving him an open net of talking about him shepherding people into his net. He dives in when the ball's already past him. Like, just hold your hands up maybe there. Or comfortable. I don't know. Should he have some blame here? Look, the run, the run is really good. The ball is really good. But we had the commentator tell us it has to be perfect. It didn't know, did it? <laughs> it had to be a ball into the fucking box. That, that's, what, that's all it had to be. They got four goals tonight from not particularly good play. All he did was toss that ball into the box. Tyrone Mings hasn't a fucking clue where McTominay is almost immediately after it leaves Garnacho's foot. And he's, he's not watching. How he has... Why has Mings lost both the man and the ball as it's coming in? That's what I don't understand. Surely he has an idea where one of them is. It's madness. <laughs> and Olsen, Jesus Christ, yeah, that, that's irrelevant. Like, he had so much space to hit there. He just has to put the ball in behind Mings, and it's a fucking goal. Yeah. All right, we'll leave that there. That was a long top of the show. We'll come back with some WhatsApp winches. I have a new fine to bring in here. Didn't think I would have to do it, but I think we need to fine... A goalkeeper, anytime he's afraid of a ball in there. <laughs> so if a goalkeeper is afraid of a high ball, he gets a one week's wages. So I don't know how many weeks wages that um Olsen's being docked now. Like he he looks like he's he's more worried than John Stones of a ball in there. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> he's tall. He can use his hands. And a lot of these instances. He wasn't even under pressure. They were dropping on his chest. But with his own teammates around him, it's scary, scary stuff. Like, I get that he hasn't played a lot of football in his whole career. But, like, fuck me. Like, this has been his job every day for the for his entire career. So just, just let the ball drop into your hands. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, the, the first one is really bad because the ball... The ball's coming from about 60 foot out of the air as well. So he's got so much time to watch this come into his fucking hands. And he doesn't come off his line. It bounces and it gets into the six-yard box. And he needed Chambers to head it back to him. And even then, he's afraid to come out. And Kanza has to hold off Martial. What the fuck are you doing, Robin? Come out and get that ball. Why am I holding? Why are there two centre-halves in your six-yard box? Passing you the ball and holding off the centre-forward. What's your fucking job here? Come out and get the ball, you moron. <laughs> and there was one there was one immediately after that as well. Then it's a bad ball scuttering across the fucking box. Apparently that's enough though for shit to go scuttering down his cacks. Like imagine he misjudged a ball that is moving so slowly I couldn't believe it. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I felt like I was slipping into a coma. I couldn't believe it. It's like, why is he not picking that ball up? What's going on here? Yeah. He ran alongside a ball in his own box that he couldn't catch up with. And they fucking slide tackle it out for a corner. <laughs> couldn't bend his back. I uh, I never thought I would see these four words as often on my timeline. And I'd never thought I'd think they make so much sense. They say, give me nylon back. <laughs> There's a full podcast. There. Do you know the way to say children will argue who was better, Superman or Batman or Spider-Man? Like, you know, who was worse or who would you rather? Who was better, Nyland or Robin Olsen? It's a fucking tough question. It really is. And I, and I think you're right. I, I don't think I don't think you would ever have thought that that would be a question. Surely Nyland would never be defeated. I know, I know Loris Karius had a big big moment on tv you know two big moments on tv that a, that a lot of people saw but i don't think they appreciate just quite how bad orion island was but i i think i'd take him back yeah the two of them are absolutely you know gone in the head or never began in the head maybe is, is a better way to put it and but nylon can move his body <laughs> exactly yeah nylon <laughs> is only gone in the head <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, like that. Thankfully, we don't have to talk about it. I would only take Nyland back with the same way I'm looking at Robin Olsen now, in that he doesn't have to play. I would think I'm happy enough to have him there. Like, you know, I'm not paying his wages. Um, <laughs> anyway, the WhatsApp wins, first WhatsApp wins. Callum Chambers really needs to stick to number 10. <laughs> That's a well, position. 
Yeah, you, you might think that's his position because of the fucking pass he played to Fred across their own box. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a classic case though, isn't it? Like this is, Callum Chambers is the sort of boy, especially when things are going wrong and people, <laughs> it's, it's always too early. Do you ever notice that when Villa lose, immediately people are posting teams for the next week's game and I, I you know, appreciate the and up and going again but just give me a fucking half an hour breather here and it's always got Callum Chambers like it's, it's, it's always that's always the answer like classic case of stock goes up when you're not playing and everybody else's stock is going down because they're playing shit if Chambers got a run on that team like I think people would really see that like he's not at the same level as, as even Collins or Mings yeah and that but that's the thing it, it, it's not just that that Callum Chambers' stock has gone up whenever he plays. It's like a, a fucking lot of the time, Cons and Mings is going down. Their stock is going down whenever they do play. That's a big fucking issue. I mean, tonight, tonight would be a bad, a bad night to say that there's no way that he is as good as Cons and Mings. <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that he himself, like this, this should have been the night where Callum Chambers was fucking rock his stock should have been so fucking high it was going off the going off the screen but he played tonight unfortunately because cons and mings were terrible and somehow callum chambers comes out below them again <laughs> is john mcginn getting worse <laughs> i i think he might be i i, I don't want to labor the point he doesn't move on the ball i think that's obvious now it's fucking criminal it's really killing him he's losing the ball so often either people coming in and picking his pocket or eventually just having to kick it to nobody he's doing that thing that i hate that jeff Hendrick does for Ireland. he plays the ball knowing it's not going anywhere and and the ironic thing is jeff Hendrick does it and i think mcginn's doing it now as well is that they're playing it to get rid of it because they don't want to lose it and they're losing it anyway it's, it's somehow okay if, if you've kicked it away further up the pitch like it's just fucking try and do some move on the ball like i am laboring that point now but i i think he's getting worse i, I don't remember him ever being this bad it's it's scary like the the depths he's fallen to john mcginn had a lot of money in the bank and people need to fucking just remember this i mean i, I haven't been calling john mcginn shite for the last two and a half years because he was good <laughs> like uh, why would i have anything against john mcginn he was part of the promotion team i loved him i loved that team so much it's one of my happiest moments as a football fan, was that team getting promoted? That ten game run, the playoffs, John McGinn, Connor Hurahan, and Jack Grealish in the midfield three—it was incredible. But no one else can seem to let go of those memories. John McGinn hasn't been good since we were in the Premier League. He's played every fucking game since we've been in the Premier League, and we've been dreadful in midfield that entire time. <laughs> so, like John McGinn is not a good footballer. He's not good enough to play for this Aston Villa team. And look, I want him to get good as well. He dresses up as a five-foot turkey. It'd be great if he could get his footballing ability back. But he's only going to get his footballing ability back if we get relegated. I mean, I know you've laboured a lot, but I don't think I've ever talked about it that much. How can you be a professional footballer in the Premier League and either run or kick the ball? Those can't be... You have to be able to do both of those at the same time. It's absolutely insane the amount of times he was standing on the ball tonight. And Malassia or Fred was just coming, running around him, taking the ball off him. What are you doing, you idiot? It was insane. Looking up the pitch with the ball. I mean, you're playing a game of fucking football. <laughs> this is what I mean, though, right? I, I get that you sort of had doubts if he was going to be at the standard required for way longer than I have, but he didn't, he didn't used to do this. Like, I, I don't remember him just not moving on the ball and then kicking it away anyway. Like, he didn't he, want to see it. Yeah, he used to run. <laughs> he used to move on the ball. Like, if, if he was doing this the whole time, I would have been like, this guy's shit. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I, I, don't, I don't think it was just a champion. Why do you time. think I was saying that? <laughs> this is what he was doing. He's shit. He kicks the ball away all the time. He thinks he's more creative than he is. He's not. He strikes the ball incredibly well sometimes. And sometimes he plays delicious passes around the corner. But my God, is this guy shit on the ball? It's unbelievable. There's no way. You don't just become this as you're getting older. He's a centre midfielder. What age is he now? 28. You don't get worse at 28. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was the armband weighing him down, like literally anchoring him down. Do you think middle. John McGinn was good last year? No, no, 
No, I don't. Why do you think we had a conversation at the start of the year whenever he was giving the armband? Going, geez, that's a bit fucking weird. I, I, I... <laughs> do you think it was because he was good? Do you think it was like, oh no, he used to be able to move on the ball. He had to have been good. It was grand to give him the armband. No, we were saying it was weird because he's shite. He was, he was, he was energetic. Like, did it, was he not like a ball of energy? Like, and so, sometimes he'd run into trouble and burrow his way back out. And he, he used to use his arse, but now he's just standing there. <laughs> Like, I miss his arse. I miss I miss Nyland and I miss John McGinn's arse. <laughs> Fucking hell. Like that, that that's that's where we're at now. But he, he used to do stuff to just make sure he wasn't always going to lose the ball. It feels like he loses it all the time. I, I, I remember him veering into that territory last year, but I don't remember it always being the case. He didn't want to see it. Like he lo- he loses the ball because people are just coming in and taking off him, taking it off him. He loses the ball because he's trying to get rid of it because he doesn't want to lose the ball. I mean, come on, what are you describing here? <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there and we'll come back with some awards. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. And the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you, he's uh, an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. Is that any game? Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Though, because they're like, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Brummie accents, though. Really go through you, don't they? I think I've only got three nominations for the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. You might give me more, if you remember any. Um, Even these are a bit tenuous. But apart from Dougie Louise, corner needs to score. Uh, it does well, but we've spoken about it before. Dougie Louise needs to put these corners away. I, I'm fed up seeing them getting cleared <laughs> off the line. It's not good enough from them. But then, but then we really need to talk about Ollie Watkins. This is a what the fuck moment, really, but there's, there's that much in what the fuck. We might as well talk about it here because Leon Bailey has done one of the best things an Aston Villa player has ever done in modern day. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. Wins the ball off McTominay. He bounces off McTominay and bursts away. He then he then cuts inside Ericsson and bursts away from him. Malassia comes and he speeds up to just sort of take his space. I think it's it's another midfielder who's coming in. McTominay comes in, he beats him. Lindelof has joined the party, he knocks it around him, goes to the other side. It's it's fucking unbelievable stuff he's doing in such a tight area. He's doing this off the back of Robin Olsen, not being able to catch the ball. And it was like Imagine we score from this Leon Bailey just taking the pitch. He's, he's, he's taking them all on. He's taking the entire United defensive structure out with just magic, complete individual magic. And he puts Ollie Watkins away, puts him through. It's it's Ollie Watkins against Dalu. Maguire's never making it back, obviously. And it's like, okay, is Ollie Watkins going to do this thing now where he comes on his left and bangs it? He's got loads of space. He's got a lovely angle there. If he wants to get onto his right. Nah, he just pokes it, pokes it at the keeper. <laughs> Leon Bailey's done the best thing that he'll he'll ever do, and that's not that I'm not taken away from Leon Bailey. It was that good. Could, that's how good it was. The best thing Leon Bailey will ever do. And Ollie Watkins just passes it to the keeper with what with what he's done. Yeah, look, whenever you get 
finally get the best winger in the world onto the pitch that you're just holding back all this time and he takes past four or five players in a fucking phone box and then he gives it to your centre forward. The last thing you need him to be doing is taking a fucking touch as heavy as John McGinn's arse. It's incredible <laughs> that he's managed to do that. It like, wasn't even difficult, like you say. It was just, Dallow, get the ball out of your feet and have a shot. It's hard to understand what he was even trying to do there. Was he trying to come back onto his right? Why? The space was there to have it in your left. It's Dallow and Dubravka. Have a shot. Yeah. There was one more that I think I'm feeling more incensed by now because of the injustice to Leon Bailey's magic. Like, just before it, Watkins like Watkins turned it over in fairness to him on the right. I don't even remember, like far away, diagonally, Leon Bailey is free on the left at the other side of the fence. The ball is on, I think. Watkins doesn't get his head up and he continues running. Like he's got space in front of him, so he runs on like down the right hand side. And eventually the angle's gone to Bailey and the defenders have caught up on him. But he was in. If Watkins can bend, it would have been an unbelievable pass. Bailey would have played it to Watkins. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Bailey would have played that first time to Watkins. And look, maybe it was a tough pass, but it was better than what Watkins did in the end, which was run straight and just toe poke it straight out of play. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he should have played the pass. I certainly don't think he should have done what he ended up doing, though, either. Had I known that that was going to be the option, I would have preferred if he risked the pass. But the pass was that was a ridiculously difficult pass to try to play. And Bailey doesn't help him then, either. Bailey just stays out there annoyed that the pass doesn't come. He doesn't give him a second run. That's one thing I'll say to anybody listening to the fucking pass. Run again. Yeah. If I haven't played you the pass, I probably should have. Sorry. Fucking run again. Change your run. Give me a fucking second run because I fucked up and now help me out. Supposed to be your fucking teammate. Yeah. Um, as much as Dougie should win this for missing from the corner flag, uh has to be Watkins just for, for ruining that Bailey chance. Like that that's gonna be unforgivable, I think, as the as the weeks pass for me. I'm gonna keep thinking about that magic from Neon Bailey that everybody now forgets. Yeah. <laughs> because Ollie Watkins blew it up. Yeah, and as well, even the Dougie corner, I mean, he obviously should score, but it's 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 good to know he can mix it up. I mean, he can go for the back post or the near post. It's good to know that he's brought that into his repertoire. Maybe he should have just stuck to the back post tonight, though. But I, I called this preposterous a few weeks ago, and I really don't want anyone to become complacent about this or to get used to it even. It's like, he fucking shoot him from corners, and he's having really good goes at the target every time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It really is. Yeah, you're right. Like, maybe I should even stop joking about it in the rest of the world. Because <laughs> it definitely doesn't deserve that. It, it's, it's fucking crazy. Like, it, it's, it's an actual... It's a, it's a viable option for us. Like, he empty shit from the corner flag. It's, it's madness. The Robin Olsen What the Fuck Award. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these two you've already mentioned, pick it up, bend your back, do some stop walking alongside the ball and then side packing out of play. And the chambers pass across the box. I mean, what, which was worse than those two before we move on to the rest? Oh, jeez, oh, that's a tough one for, for different reasons. Like, one that like this is this is just jo- this is John McGinn infecting both of them. Like one of them he can't fucking move, and the other one he can't pass the ball. Like it's in- it's insane. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go for Olsen not being able to pick the ball up because you know he, I don't know if he was, he knew he was allowed to do that. And based on how he performed the rest of the night, I'm not sure if he did know he could use his hands. He was walking alongside the ball in his box. Yeah, yeah. Um, like this is Ezra Khan's nomination, but. <laughs> Olsen passes to him and as he passes he almost falls like he's just rolling out a seven yard pass to Kanza and he stumbles back like he's about to fall on his earth and um, I mean Kanza just misses the ball then so it really is his fault really luckily it didn't lead to a goal but we gave United possession in the box yeah the Kanza misses the ball maybe he still had it in his head the fucking in the first half when he tried to dribble out past three or four Manchester United players in his own fucking box as well he's like I'm not touching the ball in here no fucking way he certainly wasn't trying to touch it in the defensive setup either tonight <laughs> the, the uh there, there were two deflections I mean one was more harmless they were both fucking really harmless Rashford has a shot Kanza got out quickly and deflected it looped up into the air it was going nowhere near goals it was going well wide 
but Olsen has to come over and just catch it because it's going to go for a corner. And his bearings are all wrong. At this stage, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if he just wasn't able to catch that. And he runs underneath the ball and then and then turns around, puts his back to the pitch and tries to catch it that way. And <laughs> Dawson doesn't get his hand on it. And he starts, it's like he's running, you know, like the swimming action. He's running after it, swimming his arms as he goes out of play. Nothing's happened here. Somebody's had a shot that's deflected up and it's going to bounce six yards out from the byline and he somehow got his bearings wrong there and chased it. I couldn't keep it in. Even if he had, I wasn't able to catch it and he decided to turn around and watch it bounce. He still should have been able to just pull his arm out and grab it. Yeah. A ball, like it, it was, Jesus Christ. I mean, this one was, this one was mad. I mean, a shot dropping from the sky and he decides to drop a fucking juice instead of just catching the ball is incredible. You're, you're a goalkeeper. Just catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Like that, that second one comes in from the right, the flex up, and this is way easier because the only players around him are three defenders who are just like, oh, okay, catch it. And oh my fucking, it, it does, it drops through. It's like he's got a, they say, you know what they say, catch it in the bread basket. It's, it's like he's got a hole in that bread basket and it just drops underneath him and he falls into it and bobbles out back into the box and, Ah, it's, it's madness. Like th- This is going to be called the Robin Olsen What the Fuck Award at the weekend as well in honour of, of how <laughs> much of a shambles he was. It's, it's honestly, I, I, ca- I can't get past what happened tonight. Yeah, he, he couldn't catch a fucking bus. I mean, imagine not catching the ball when you're protected by three of your own players. What was he panicking about there? Yeah. How, like, the ball went pa- past his face, past his chest, and at no point did he decide to move his fucking hands. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Like he, he could see it coming in the whole time as well and forgetting about that because he moved his body for the first time in the game as well towards it. And then he just didn't close his arms. He didn't close his arms, Colin. <laughs> and then Callum Chambers deserves serious consideration. Well, maybe for the for the first United goal as well. Like, what the fuck was that? Just, just chipped over the top, all that space. But also, he deserves it because... Believe it or not, Robin Olsen saved his arse at one stage. <laughs> I mean, Cross comes into the box and Chambers just allows it to caress his thigh. I, I, what was he thinking about doing here? He, I, I, just get in front of that ball, clear it, do something. He just caressed it off his thigh and gave United another chance. Yeah, like you caressed it across his You're right. The, the, the body shape he took up there, it was like he was waiting for the physio to come on. You know, that one where they're just standing with their leg out, letting the physio rub them down and the <laughs> hamstring and the quad. That's what it looked like he was doing with a ball, a bit of massage from the ball there. Fucking mad stuff. And his head was obviously gone. It was ridiculous. Imagine we got to a stage in that game where you would think and take off the back five. Yeah. T- take off the entire back five. This is a joke. I mean, we took off three of them, but like, I can't. I, it's, it's astounding that Chambers and Olsen stayed on the pitch because they were the worst of the five of them. Like, yeah. I can't believe that they managed to stay on the pitch. R- r- absolutely ridiculous. I can't believe I also missed Bednarak. <laughs> um, Robin Olsen also wins this for whatever. Like, you know, pick the ball up when it's lying beside you. <laughs> catch the ball when it's dropping into your arms. Catch the ball when it's dropping into your arms. <laughs> Um, pass the ball without stumbling back. I mean, th- there we go. I haven't even mentioned the goal that he conceded in the What the Fuck Award. Like, we forgot about that. Like, that that's probably the real winner because his decision they play it to fucking Kamara and his inability to play it to Kamara are all unbelievably mental. You like them. We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. <laughs> I mean, why did he play Robin Olsen? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, yeah, there's probably a, a larger discussion about why he played a weaker team. Like that, that that's a bit disappointing. Um, there's a probably bit. what? Sorry, a bit. Yeah, a bit. Um, <laughs> there's also a tactical element of him playing Chambers. Actually, there, there's two there's two nominations here. So I'd say, like, we'll, we'll come back to the Chambers thing in a minute, but not to just unnecessarily pick in Chambers, although it is very necessary. But um, there's a reason I want to talk about it tactically. But the first one is the weakened team. So three chords and the truth got in touch with us on Twitter. Um, and they shared a WhatsApp 
message, which which I don't know how I feel about that because you know when you see a WhatsApp screenshot, it's like, oh god, like this this is people's unfiltered feelings coming through here now. Like God, god knows what they're going to say, and I think I'm just raw because. I was at a stag last weekend. That, that's the reason my voice sounded like Jack Grealish uh, on Sunday night whenever we did the podcast. But this guy came up to me. Now, this definitely doesn't happen very often. But this guy came up looking for a picture, some GAA fan. And I, I was flattered for about a second and a half. And he said to me, this will be great. There's an ongoing debate about you in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> I was like, what? what? And then he started telling me, and I said, I don't even want to know. Don't, I don't even want to know what's going on in that WhatsApp group because, like we talk, that's the reason WhatsApp Wings is there, just unfiltered stuff coming through. But in this screenshot, now it was actually a fine screenshot, but um, it said, Martinez and the Donker, we win this game. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely going somewhere with that. But I, uh, to your point, I would say Martinez and Cash, and, and maybe not Chambers, and we win this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh martinez see the, the, the thing with olsen apart from the five cock-ups one them only one them resulted on a goal and don't forget one them resulted on the best winger in the world doing the best thing during the game as well <laughs> bizarrely enough <laughs> but olsen obviously doesn't help i mean nerves are just going through everybody's bodies at that stage and we were finding it very difficult to get out in the first half as well probably not helped by the fact that there was a pass that wasn't on then you, you couldn't give that ball back to robin olsen in good con- in good conscience yeah. if you were if you were the right back if you were center half that was always going to be playing on your mind and you knew you had to get the ball up the fucking pitch as well it makes everything more difficult ball coming towards you as a defender you're panicking because you know you've got a sack of shit behind you it's <laughs> it's ridiculous and especially as well with your calm chambers because you've already got in your head the that vast space of 20 yards that you know you can't cover in a fucking evening. They're just lurking in the background. So the ball goes into the air. It's absolute panic stations because you know your keeper's not going to deal with it. You know you can't get back to deal with it either. Horrible decision to start Olsen. Too many. It was too many changes. You can't you can't change your backline for a game. And the really frustrating thing is that I would much rather have won that game tonight than to beat Brighton at the weekend. Aston Villa are not going to get relegated. We're also not going to finish seventh. Let's just fucking try to win the EFL Cup yeah. this season. Like That should be the target. We're not going to finish seventh this year. Get fucking real. So we're not going to qualify for Europe. Like I've said before, finishing the top 10 means fucking nothing. I would take 15th and a cup win. Bite your fucking arm off for it. Why the fuck weren't we trying to win that game tonight? What were we protecting? Protecting the game against Brighton at the weekend that we don't care about. Yeah, the only other thing I had there is it's probably just Chambers in general because obviously he's worked under Emery before, but he's he's just not fast enough for what Emery wants to do. He likes to squeeze up, he likes to make the pitch small, he likes the defensive line to be right up with the midfield and right up with the forward line and squash everybody into that. Um, and you need fast defenders, but there's no point in squeezing up because everybody has to run back anyway because Callum Chambers is being caught out. Like the ball of one simple ball is bounced over the top of you and that undoes it and your defender can't retrieve it before Bruno Fernandes. No point in trying to squeeze or trying to to do anything really defensively. Like You just need to sink back to your 18-yard line and Chambers has been quite good for us in that position. You need fast defenders regardless of what system you're going to yeah. play. Unless it's incredibly experienced and incredibly clever defenders like Chiellini or somebody like that. Or, you know, Thiago Silva now at this stage of his career. You need to be able to run. Like, that's an absolute basic. Cam Chambers can't run. It was the first thing I said about him. He came on and I remember his debut. He did quite well. But he, it was clear immediately. <laughs> it was clear immediately that he couldn't run. It was absolutely glaringly obvious. That that was always going to hold him back. Yeah. All right, let's do the Vimin meter going up. <laughs> Douglas Louise's shaved head. <laughs> That's a boy who had a point to prove tonight. Didn't make the Brazil squad. Ridiculously so for somebody who was in the Brazil team a while back. Uh, although the Brazil squad's pretty good. Let's 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 be honest still think there's a space for him in midfield and I like that he's come back with this new attitude shaved head ready for action 
Yeah, it's either a new attitude or a new haircut. It's it's hard to tell, really. I mean, to me, it looks like a new haircut. <laughs> Kamara's going up. Uh, first game back. Good to see him. His footwork looks really nice. I think that could be a really exciting double pivot if the two of them can stay tuned in and then be the rocks that we need them to be in that position. They're both really good footballers, so that, that could be very, very fruitful going forward. Yeah, whenever I was um, whenever I was saying we weren't pressing enough either in the first half at all, it just wasn't. We just didn't seem to appreciate the midfield that Man United had on the pitch. Kamara was the only one that was the exception there. He knew when to go. Not it wasn't just whenever any of the Man United midfielders had the ball because they're all shy. It <laughs> was also whenever the ball was slightly awkward. He was going. He was getting on touches, and he covers the ground so quickly as well. He eats it up really, really well, and. He was the person. He was the only person during that first half that you'd be looking at. Apart from him pressing people and Douglas Louise nearly scoring a corner, that was it. That was it in the first half. Is the only thing we had for us. Oh, sorry, Danny Ings cleared a ball from uh, with a Dallas should have scored from. That was incredible from Danny Ings as well. That was forty five minutes of my fucking life. Yeah, he's the next and only person I have going up is Danny Ings. Just, just for that, like stand you and then great work, great. Honesty, Andy Ryman. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Not letting Diogo Dallo score a fucking goal against you as well. Yeah. Um, going down, obviously a lot of people. Um, Bruno Fernandes going down literally again. His dive into Kanza was pathetic. Like just, he's about two meters away from Kanza and he falls into his chest. Kanza's got his hands out. I don't know what he thinks is going to happen. I mean, how often have you said... Everybody gets to watch this again now to see what happens. Like there's no way they were going to be tripped or pulled from the position that they were in. Ah, just another example of him being a wet blanket, really. Yeah. How how many times do how much evidence do we need that Bruno Fernandez is an absolute fucking cunt? It's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's unbelievable. You know when you're watching a film and they've got somebody undercover and they're just like, we just need you to get another piece of evidence. I need you to stay in there for me. And you're always just watching this going, what are you, t- he's told you he's killed 10 people. What do you need him to get? Now you need him to get the fucking accounts. We don't need that. Just get him out. I'm mean, same with Bruno Fernandes. We don't need any more evidence. He's a fucking cunt. I don't know why he keeps doing these things. Stop trying to prove this, how big of a fucking whinging cunt you are. <laughs> going down, Emmy Martin is. I think Emmy Martin is going to go down every time he doesn't play a game for us. <laughs> somebody has to be held accountable and we can't be Robin Olsen we can't trust him to hold anything <laughs> and going down finally is the Aston Villa away shirt I mean like Joe got in touch with us to ask what the fuck are they made of and he's right like the amount of sweat that these things are carrying is crazy like these players must be weighing a ton by the end of the game and like the optics are terrible because they just all look sluggish and soaking and unfit. Eddie, Robin Eddie Olsen asked, couldn't even lift his fucking arms, Conan. He was so heavy. <laughs> Eddie asked, like, has McGinn taken over Ross Barkley's shower schedule? Because remember we were asking, like, <laughs> how does this boy become so wet during game? He's not running that much. How does he sweat so much? And yeah, McGinn definitely seems to be taking up that mantle. But I have to say, it's not a vacancy that we need to fill. <laughs> Anyway, we'll leave that there. That's that's one game over. We'll go to questions we can't answer next. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Let's start with one very simple question. Is Big Cuts... <laughs> <laughs> is Neil Cutler potentially the greatest pundit of all time? <laughs> There's this show that's called The Football Fill-In. Not the podcast. <laughs> well, this is the beauty of it. How did you know it was the podcast? <laughs> the amount of people I saw this, I saw this video. Ben Foster, of course, it was like what a journalist. And I, <laughs> I sent you on the quotes of big cuts, and I was like, I'm going to surprise Liam and tell him which which show it was from at the end of it all. <laughs> but it's called the football filling. It turns out that it's an umbrella, like the podcast is an umbrella. Sorry, the cycling goalkeeper. Seems to be the umbrella brand of Ben Foster. <laughs> the cycling GK, to get it right. And then the Fozcast comes underneath and the football filling comes underneath. 
and here he is anyway. He's got Neil Cutler on. I don't know, like I don't know how he decides who's on the Fozcast and who's on the football film. <laughs> but uh, I definitely would have let Neil Cutler come on to the Fozcast, give him the full hour. But oh my god, actually, do you know what? Though he would have been wasted because here he was analyzing the Aston Villa game back in better times when Villa were hammering United and. It was funny because they actually had somebody in goals that were stopping every single attack that United had. Um, and he was just able to criticise the United goalkeeper on the other end. I'd love to find out what he made of Robin Olsen's performance. But for Bailey's goal, like he was so ruthless. Obviously, the Bailey one, there's obviously a lot of goals ago now, but um, the one that he like Ramsey puts it through and he drills into the bottom corner, or was it the bottom corner? And Big Cuts comes out ruthlessly and just says, De Gea tried to save with his feet subconsciously because he's always doing that. It can't always be a foot save. And I was like, was he listening to you? <laughs> we, we, we did self-reference a lot in the podcast the last day, like, you know, wondering where a lot of people listen. And they said if he had a lead of his hands, he not only would have saved it, he would have caught it because it wasn't that good a shot. Um, and he said De Gea is so athletic, so agile. If he just worked on holding shape, keeping his body weight forward for longer, he'd save so much more. Goals are going in where you think, if you only had just led with your hands. Like, <laughs> there's a Premier League goalkeeper coming out and saying this. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, I I was saying, I actually pulled back a little bit because you had gone in so hard on how good a finish it was from Bailey. I was thinking, maybe I don't remember it that well. Maybe it actually did rifle into the bottom corner. But I've seen it back since as well. It's a grand finish. He puts it into the bottom corner. But the hay is all over the place. Yeah. And like I said last week, you can't attempt to save a shot from a Premier League footballer, no matter how grand it is, by sitting on your horse. That's not a legitimate approach to saving a fucking football. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't stop there because we get into the other stuff he was talking about. He had some good stuff on Jacob Ramsey as well. Like Very like expected. He was just talking about Jacob Ramsey. He's been moved around too often. Um, his position's been moved around. I have to say... As good as a goalkeeping coach that Neil Cutler sounds, if I was looking to hire a goalkeeping coach, now I don't know if I'd want this Murphy guy coming in now. If he just leaves the the job, he's going to start giving everybody every secret, <laughs> letting them know what happens in the in the change room. He's not a mouth. I don't mean that. I mean he's, he's I mean he's running his mouth. But um, anyway, he talks about the look at the new goal on David de Gea as well, the free kick, and he, like we were giving Emmy Martinez this this for that one, and he says. I'm thinking, do you need four in the wall from there? Like a goalkeeper, as athletic as he is, he keeps mentioning that. You've got to back yourself a little bit more. He's coming in with no pace from that angle. You can't hit it straight, so you ha- it has to be whipped around, which gives you time, more time to see it. You don't need four in the wall. You're killing yourself. And he says, it's actually interesting. He said he actually would have had the wall at the other side and let, like he said to Daniel, like, go around there if you want, like, and I'll have time to get across as well. It's just, just great analysis that you don't often get. Yeah, he's talking about having four in the walls, if that's a mistake from De Gea, as if that wouldn't have been immediately counteracted by Emmy Martinez, either joining the wall <laughs> or, or forcing Ashley Young into it or something else. Like We, we know that David De Gea wasn't in control of that set piece, yeah. and that wasn't any fault of his own. I mean, he's been a professional goalkeeper for a long time. He's been at United 10 years. He knows how to set up a wall. Yeah. That was all about Emmy Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> But then we got to the real meat of this big cuts portion. Um, and my God, he's really shed light. Um, I think it's fair to say that Austin McPhee has been, you know, he's, he's been singled out by a lot of supporters, especially when everybody else is getting the sack through a third regime now. And Austin McPhee survives every time. But uh, big cuts had a lot of really good insight. So he said Austin McPhee has this software that they're using golf called TrackMan. And what well, turns out awesome if he's allowed to employ people underneath him as well. He's got his own analyst. And I was like, what the fuck's he doing apart from drawing on a sheet before everybody runs onto the pitch? But, <laughs> and anyway, but he made the point. Again, we've made this point. We've seen the video. People are banging the fucking free kicks in at training. Um, but in the games, they're hitting the wall. So then Big Cuts comes in. I say you don't often get this insight. You do get it in the Fozcast, in fairness. So, uh, <laughs> big, big Cuts comes in and he says, so we've come in after the Forest game and Steve Gerrard has gone, what the fuck? What, what the hell is going on? Austin's getting it in the neck. You know, what are you doing? Things like, we, we do all this work. We've got Trackman and every everything. We've got everything. And we keep hitting the wall. It's a waste of time. We're wasting our time. Obviously, he's frustrated. Those are uh, still Big Cuts' words. And he says the next day, Austin McPhee's coming in a bit rattled. Like, I can't figure out like, what the hell's happening. So Austin McPhee went away, did his research, plugged himself into his matrix, into Trackman. 
and he figured out, he's revolutionized the game. I'm not joking. So Austin McPhee figured out that referees, when they're counting out to 10 yards, they're only taking 0.8 yards per step on average. And they're not even taking the 10 steps. So they're doing like eight steps, which is working out six, seven yards. So Austin, in Big Cuts' words, has had a chat with the referees and the referees now making sure that the wall is exactly 10 yards away. Which is fucking unbelievable. And then you see Ray Myers go for um, Man City the, the other night in the Caroline Cup. It's like, I think I sent you a screenshot. The wall's not even in the picture. <laughs> the picture can't catch them. They're actually that far back now. And it looks so weird on the eyes. It looks very easy. And Big Cuts says that there's going to be so much more goals going in now. So maybe he got out at the right time. <laughs> he would just be culpable. If we, if we were seeing a lot of free kicks going on, we'd be like, what the fuck is Big Cuts doing? Yeah, I mean, it was a decent free kick from Riyad Mahrez. I don't know if the problem there was big uh, <laughs> was was big cuts or sorry, big Austin McPhee telling people where to stand. Yeah, I think it might have been the fact that Koulibaly does just stand whenever the free kick is going over his fucking head, and I think it's Aspilicueta's ducking in trying to get over the Aspilicueta's going for a nap on top of Koulibaly's head. It's like yeah. they're fucking romantic partners. It was insane. It was such bad defending from Koulibaly. I wouldn't worry so much about where the wall was. That was always going to go. And Koulibaly could have been six inches away from him, and he would have let go past him. It was ridiculous. But this is what we want to see. We want to see more free kicks going in. Yeah. I don't care because Villa will score more as well. We've got a lad fucking trying to score from corners every time. Like, <laughs> if we get a few free kicks with the wall properly back, this is exciting. Yeah. So it'll be balanced out. Same for both teams, Conan, like we always say. Yeah. yeah. Well, it won't balance out if you've got Robin Olsen in goals. <laughs> anyway, I'm over that. I'll let him go. Um, hopefully, we let him go. Oh, that's off. <laughs> it's a man's livelihood here. Anyway, let's talk about the England squad. Um, what's the question we can't answer here? Uh, I don't know, normally we say, is Gareth Southgate mental? Um, <laughs> I suppose it's just like, did, did Gareth Southgate get it right? I, I don't know if he did. I don't know how he's landed on. It's funny, Ruben Loftus-Cheek made the World Cup squad four and a half years ago out of nowhere. I think it was one of those classic ones. Why, of course, of course he brings a Chelsea player. Of course he doesn't bring Jack Grealish. <laughs> I, I know Ruben Loftus-Cheek actually looks like a good player. <laughs> I know he's actually playing. I know he's playing ahead of Conor Gallagher and he brings in Conor Gallagher anyway and leaves out Ruben Loftus-Cheek. The, the only centre-backs that are actually playing ball, and you know we can use that term very loosely, <laughs> are Conor Cody, like you know, sound Conor Cody and Eric Dyer. Are they the ones you want going to the World Cup who, like, who are actually playing? Harry Maguire, Kyle Walker and John Stone is probably going to be the back three. Ben White's there, presumably, because he can play right back as well. <laughs> um... And then, I don't know, we can go through it. Like, Calvin Phillips is in it, hasn't played anything. I think he's played 20 minutes all season and he Jesus. got that Carolina Cup game. And he's going to start. You know he's going to start. He's just going to revert back to what he did. Look, the credits are in the bank for Southgate. It's not going anywhere. No matter what happens in this World Cup, he's, he's going to be remembered for doing a good job. Not by me, not by me. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, should, 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 should Ollie Watkins have been there? I, like, I'm, I'm actually trying to remove myself from being a Villa supporter and just ask, would I have brought Ollie Watkins if I was manager? And I actually think I would have. don't think I would have played him, but I would have liked knowing that he was there because he could just give me stuff that I'm not going to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just quickly to come back on Loftus-Cheek. Loftus-Cheek can also play right wing back, which he's done a lot this season. <laughs> so you, you thought that would have been a bit, of, a bit of cash in the bank for him as well. I think that's really, really strange. The centre-halves you rhymed off there, I mean, it's insane that Tamori's not been brought. I mean, yeah. ordinarily you mightn't think that not picking Tamori isn't that big a deal. Yeah. Maguire, Cody, Eric Dyer, they're all in the squad. <laughs> so Tamori looks absolutely glaring that he's not there. Did you see Jamie Carragher's tweet about Tamori? It, it was a very weird one. Like He basically put out his squad list. It didn't look great, to be honest. Um, He had Cody, Maguire, all the boys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somebody said to him, like, you know, you know that a guy playing centre-back, you know, for AC Milan is doing really well in his last time out. Been him off for some yard dog from St. Helens. Is <laughs> what Jay Haywood, 89, said. And Carragher comes back. The same fellow who was all over the place against Chelsea twice. Yeah, I'm not taking him. And we know what the obvious response is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you are taking the same fellow who's been all over the place for two years. <laughs> and two fucking games. Probably the only two times he's ever seen Tamori yeah. play. But the weird thing about that is... He's seen Harry Maguire play 50 times. 
So it's not even just like, oh, I haven't seen him play the three yeah. times. That is shit. You have seen Harry Maguire play. The only times he's played, he's been shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah. A ridiculous call from him to say that as well. I mean, the, the other way to think about this is that none of this really matters because, as you know, four of the last five defending champions have gone out in the group stage, so you can forget about France. And that means that that means that <laughs> England will play Senegal and then either Denmark, Poland, or Mexico to get into the semi-finals <laughs> of the World Cup. So England start the tournament in the semi-finals with a few warm-up games to acclimatize. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a bet that I had with somebody who I'm now working with again. I made the bet in our last place of work together. And uh, it was basically I'd said to him, and I really sort of regret it now what's happened since, but years ago I said to him, England will never win a World Cup or a, England will never win a major championships in our lifetime. Do you know when he, he felt that was definitely always going to be the case with England? When they got good players, so that, that always helps. Um, and then I realized as well, I can't win that fucking bet because I need to die to win the bet. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only lose in this bet. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, but... Yeah, you're talking about the good players. I, I'm like I've said this a couple of podcasts ago as well. I'm not convinced that they are that good anymore. There's a lot of weaknesses there. He's going to be playing Calvin Phillips. He's going to be playing Declan Rice, yeah. who's the most overrated player in the world. You've gone through. <laughs> you've gone through what their back three is going to be. Like that's not going to. That's not a solid back three. Yeah. That's not going to. That's not going to work. Luke Shaw's the only left back he's got there. Yeah, like that's not going to work. Either. Yeah. And I love Ollie Watkins. <laughs> and. Uh, I, I love what he what he's done for Villa the last two and a half years. I even love what he's done this year a lot. But the reality is, he's played sixteen times this season. And he scored three goals. Uh, That's not good enough for a centre forward. I just want somebody I know can run the channels. That's what I want. Callum Wilson can run the channels. He <laughs> <laughs> can score goals as well. We'll leave that there. It's enough shit talk for one night. Um, thanks a million for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't. We're back on Sunday. Last game before the World Cup. I think Christ saves you, but uh, no, hopefully we'll have a full team back for that game. <laughs> Maybe once they win some games again. Anyway, uh, we'll leave that there. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you later.